What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream running like a mere 24 hours behind. So we this is the way the technology works sometimes. And uh, those of you guys that were back on that BKXE live stream when we were trying to do uh, the hot wing challenge and my internet died, this stuff happens, you know? So here we are. We, we pulled it back together today, last minute. It's five o'clock, 24 hours later, and we're going to make it happen. Episode 90, The Lone Wolf. If you haven't heard of him or his website, I'm pretty sure by the end of this show, you'll know what's going on. So in the meantime, let's do let's do some catching up, man. I haven't told you guys that um, it's been a couple of weeks because we had the Memorial Day holiday, took that off. That was super fun. And I uh, wanted to tell you, I appreciate everybody that stopped by Patreon in the last two weeks and signed up to help support the channel. It really means a lot. Um, seeing a few come in at a buck a month, seeing a few come in at five bucks a month, pick up the sticker pack. One of the guys at a buck a month, he he logged in, got the coupon codes, bought a hub from Project 321. He probably just sa saved himself enough money to pay that buck a month for like the next 10 years or something like that. I can't do math very well, but it's somewhere between a lot and a lot. So <laughs> anyways, please do me a favor. If you guys want to help support the channel, it's like when you go to the bar, dude pours you a beer, you throw him a dollar. It's just like that, except for you're here listening on YouTube or driving around in your car, working on your bike and the on the uh, podcast, whatever it is, throw a dollar at me. And if you really want to put beer in the fridge, throw five. Or you could be like that other dude that I just sent a box to, whole box of swag. He's on the $25 tier. If you guys don't like that and you just want free shit, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, follow Biker over there at B B one K E R B one, and um, for the few people that are on Twitter, yeah, you can do that too. If it really makes you feel good, go for it. Otherwise, I think one of those other two platforms is better. And if you don't like any of that at all, you're like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I just want free shit right here, right now. Then all you have to do is hit the thumbs up button if you like the show or the subscribe if you want to see more of it. If I don't see the subscriber count change, eventually I'm going to get the shits of it. I'm just going to quit. So you guys need you guys need to go ahead and support the channel because that's the only way I know what I'm doing is actually making a difference to all of you and worthwhile to me. Otherwise, it's just me in here talking to people in my garage and having an excuse to uh, drink beer and complain to all you guys about why you're not sending me money on Patreon. I'm sure you get the shits of hearing that, right? Channel gets like a billion subscribers. I won't even need Patreon anymore. I'll be like Joe Rogan, just throwing deals around. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started, man. Bring uh, Drew on here. And let's see if I can do this while I'm running my jaw. Here he is. What's up, man? Yo, what's happening? Not much, dude. Just living the dream. So you're up there in Bend. You guys uh, don't have the best internet, huh? Dude. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things about Bend and a lot of not so good things about Bend. And I, I've I've only been up here about five or six years, and you know, I, you figure you'd think that stuff would be progressing a little bit faster as this town yeah. keeps growing. But man, they just sometimes they got their friggin' heads up. I don't know what. And yeah, yeah, no, those things happen, man. You know, I go up there probably every year ever since. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Project Three Two One, the hub company. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And ever since he moved up there from, from Fresno, I go up there and, and I always have some kind of excuse, you know, it's like, oh, I need a new wheel set, but it's really, I just want to go to Bend, ride bikes and drink beer. So <laughs> 
you guys have lots of good beer up there. That's for There's sure. a lot and a lot of places to ride bikes too. Yeah, definitely. I saw that um, you're originally, I think, from Southern California or something like that. Yes. Yeah. I was, uh, I was born and raised in Thousand Oaks. So that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. rode down there once. I was like swinging by uh, Worldwide to just yeah. like see their shop and they were like, go try this trail out. That's pretty cool. What, uh, what they send you to? God, I can't remember the name of it right now. I could figure it out if I um, did a little YouTube. I just searched my YouTube channel to see what video it was. But uh, oh God, it's something mountain, isn't it? Something like it remind me of a Disney Disney Space ride, mountain. huh? Space Mountain. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up like I mean, my my folks lived right like miles away from that dude. I'd so I that was kind of one of my hometown tracks. Um, I also grew up riding Suicide, which is a pretty famous downhill trail uh, out there, not too far from that. And uh, do that. That's absolutely one of my favorite spots to ride. And right. uh, I, there's a lot of stuff I don't miss about Southern California and L.A., but those trails are are definitely hard to miss, man. I, I yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I like riding down there. Yeah, those are the things that are easy to miss, right? That and like specific food. And then otherwise, then you're like, uh, traffic, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. up and bend the, the land of like a billion traffic circles i bet you you're like every once in a while you're just like can i just have a light I, yes <laughs> I, I would love to have a light i would i'd love to <laughs> there's some bad intersections out here yeah. i just got some some uh lady just a friend of mine actually just uh sent me a screen grab from facebook he goes hey man i don't want to ruin your night but it was some lady going off and uh with like a post, like a link to our website saying that I saw this van recklessly speeding through a crosswalk, almost killed a bunch of kids and the crossing guard. Oh man. It's like, it's the school that's like exiting my neighborhood of my, like my house. So it's like, I was sitting at a stop sign and I turned right. So I was like, I don't know how I could have been flying. And there certainly was no kids or crossing guard in the crosswalk. Like there was, they were on the other side of the street waiting. But meanwhile, everyone on Facebook is going to think that I'm some crazy freaking yeah. maniac behind the wheel. But I think, oh well. I, yeah, I, I think you guys just got to let that stuff just be, I think there's like two, like a couple of approaches, right? Like one is you say something, which probably like, doesn't seem like it ever really works out. Uh. Like two is like, you just completely ignore it. Or three is you say something, but you're like completely over the top about it. And then people are just like, you know, they put you in like the Andrew Dice Clay zone where they're like, it doesn't matter what we say or, you know, like the Donald Trump zone. They're like, ah, he just does Twitter all the time. We can't stop him. You know? Yep. Yep. I know, man. It was hard to just to not go on there and be like, yeah, man, this is completely not true. But I was like, this is just there's no way that it's going to go good for me. You know yeah, I mean? it's like, a zero win situation. I've seen some bike companies do that whenever like maybe a, a bad review came or a video where something went wrong and yeah, and um every time I'm just reading it like like you're watching a train wreck and you're like, just stop. Just yeah, stop. you're not you're not helping yourself right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. So um, I guess that kind of like seg- segues into into what you what do you what are you guys doing over there at the at the Lone Wolf? Well, um, let's see, man. So, uh, basically I guess I'll, uh, I'll do the, the quick and dirty of it is 
Um, I used to be the editor at Decline Magazine, um, which was a downhill biased kind of aggressive enduro riding mountain bike magazine, large format. It was an awesome mag and I worked there for about six years. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I first came on uh, after racing, you know, downhill bikes and working in bike shops and doing all that stuff. And I met Scott Hart, um, who at the time was the editor of Klein. And I was like, dude, this guy's got the dream job. You know, like I was like the little wannabe guy just hucking and racing. And yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, can I, can I come to the warehouse and, and pack and ship bikes? Can I clean stuff? Can I just, just, you know, want to get my foot in the door? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, finally after a number of years, you know, like I got a set of tires to write a review on. And then uh -huh. after that, he gave me like a helmet and, and, and slowly I got into that position. He left and then I got like bumped up into to head editor. Um, and I was, Fast forward, right, like six years, and I was watching a Dirt Shark video, which is, mm -hmm. um, they're like a moto media outlet, if, if you haven't heard of them. And they have this video called Doonies, and it mm -hmm. was very reminiscent of um, like New World Disorder era, mm -hmm. like flames and metal, and it was just like, yeah. you know, like, I, like it finished, and I instantly thought two things. Was One was like, I want to go ride. Yeah. Two was mountain biking has gotten soft and like uh -huh. every freaking video is like, just like this beautiful national geographic exhibit of our sport, which uh -huh. I don't want to discredit anybody. And yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's more of like a brag fest of like who can show off that they've got the slowest mo camera. Yeah. And, right. and very rarely do you watch something any where you're just like, Fuck yeah, dude. Like, I want it. Can I cuss? I'm sorry for that. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, man. It's about, it's I was like, hard, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, there's not much that you finish up and you're like, I, dude, I'm going riding. I'm going to go send it. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, that, that was a beautiful exhibit of that roost shot for the hundred. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, no, I truly know what you mean. I mean similar to, to when I started my channel, it was all the other guys I saw on YouTube none of them sounded like my friends where we were just like fat and drinking a whole beer and like just bitching the whole way up the climb, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What is going on here? This is, I've been mountain biking for a long time. And the only guys I know act like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I no, no. Got your story yeah, so, so basically that I watched that video and like, I just like this, record kept playing in my head that was just like mountain biking needs a dirt shark mountain bike needs a dirt shark and i was like and that was literally like it went from that dirt shark to lone wolf uh -huh. and i was like oh that's cool like i wonder if that's taken right and and, and i was just thinking like i'm gonna make a t-shirt and jersey company because at the time i had a job at decline yeah. and was was i was like i'm just gonna make kind of like you know punk like a brand yeah, like just like metal and punk inspired clothing, like for guys that like like you're saying, right? Like guys that don't want to wear super bright neon right. race kits, you know? Right. Um, so I got the URL, worked with my buddy, we made a logo, and then a month later I just get a phone call out of the blue and and the publisher's like, Hey, if you've got anything at the office, come get it. You know, magazines shutting the doors today. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> what? You know, like yeah, right. that 
that wasn't expecting that. So, um, right. Basically, I had a garage full of test bikes. Uh, I had I'd spent six or so years developing relationships in the bike industry, um, and I, I reached out to these companies after two other guys from the magazine called me and were like, "Dude, what are we gonna do?" Like, I you know whatever, right. and and so um, I basically told the companies, "Hey, you know I've got your stuff. I'm happy to return it. If you're interested, I'm gonna start this new website, um, and we're going to." prioritize like reviewing product the most honest you know straight up way possible mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna have a little bit of an edge we're gonna do things a little differently i'm you know we're not gonna have like old publishers and bosses and people that gotta you know make sure things politically correct and we can't yeah. offend somebody and and i was like so tell me to box your stuff up or or if you want we'll keep it and we'll use your stuff to start the website with that review and um every single person was like man we we trust you. We're excited to see what you do. And that was it. So like that just April of 2017 mm -hmm. was basically when we unveiled the website and the goal was to sort of have like a lifestyle alternative brand combined mm -hmm. with, you know, our years of experiences like a media outlet um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and just testing and reviewing product. Uh, sort of like by i would say 2019 like late 2018 2019 uh we kind of saw a gap you could call it i guess or an open space in the e-bike uh market um mm -hmm. and prior to that i was pretty anti-e-bike um just growing up and being from la and and dealing with busy trails and like right what i thought were going to be even more trail issues um <clears throat> but i just saw a window, I guess. And, uh, I knew that if we were going to make a splash in the, the big pink pond, right. So to speak right. that we needed to do something different and that uh -huh. was going to be to embrace the EMTB side of things in an, in a mountain bikers way, right. Not as like the tech gadget guy who's reviewing yeah. commuter bikes and now EMTB because all these brands are selling them like crazy. Right. And <clears throat> so that was kind of, how things have evolved. And I would say now we, we really focus on the same sort of thing, right? Which is creating uh, YouTube video content that's in educational, entertaining and, and informational, um, mm -hmm. trying to review products as honestly as we can so that we can, you know, sleep at night knowing that someone dropped six, eight, twelve thousand $12,000 on something that we wholeheartedly believe in. Um, mm -hmm. And then just chasing our passion of riding bikes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the thing that like, I'm just initially right out the gate thinking about is I know when I started my biker website, I had a format that I was considering that was going to be a lot more of written stuff and, um, watching YouTube kind of grow the way it has, it, it makes like, like, do you, I mean, this is going to be like a biased answer probably, but I mean, how much do you see people actually utilizing the the reading portion of the website versus your 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 video stuff? Do you feel like the reach is the same, or? Um, yeah, you know, I I would say that it is probably about about the same. Um, I think we get a different audience. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, there is some crossover, right? Some some people that go to the website will click and watch our video. Yeah, but. I think YouTube allows us to get to a real broad audience. Uh -huh. um, and 
Because you guys don't do videos on every story that you write or every review, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I It would be great if we could. We just don't have the manpower. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can totally understand. <laughs> That's definitely it. Um, so, so you're just looking at it as like two different demographics that you're hitting. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I do. I mean, I think there's, um, you know, the reality is that <clears throat> as a, as a business owner right now, views count, YouTube subscribers count, but web traffic also counts and, and web traffic is right. very important. Things are evolving, right? Um, yeah. But, but it's a, it's a, know, it's a rock solid statistic that you can use to talk to somebody. It is. Ultimately. It absolutely is. And, yeah. and, you know, people still go to Google <clears throat> to search for best mountain bike tire. Right. Right. And YouTube is, I think, second. So, yeah. But Google's still first. So <clears throat> it, I got to be I got to be playing that game, too. And it sucks because sometimes I'd love to just make videos <clears throat> or just write. But I know I have to do both. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm obviously a, a YouTube creator, right? But mm -hmm. I I can tell you, yet, I mean, even yesterday I was searching something. I read a website, you know. So it's not like mm -hmm. like I'm only like hey, I'm a YouTube creator. Oh. The only place I search for places is on YouTube, you know. And it's like in some right. cases, yeah, I want to watch a video, but I feel like there is something something to reading, you know, especially somebody that that writes well um or something that you can like get along with you know i um i used to subscribe to mountain bike action for a long time okay and it was like some of the guys that there's like i don't they, i think they always changed whoever wrote the editorial at the beginning <laughs> but there was like one dude i really liked reading you know yeah. it was like sometimes the only time i picked up that magazine was just to read that editorial you know so i would imagine that you have people that are interested in your site just on on like under like that kind of circumstance as well, right? Like, hey, I like Drew, or I like you know, you got you got a handful of guys writing for you, right? Yeah, yeah, there are, there's a, a couple for sure, and uh, yeah, we we just hired a new guy. Actually, started he's been writing part time for us for about a year and a half, but last week was his first week full time. So yeah, uh, it'll be nice to add more diversity always and and more writers. But yeah, it's um, I love creative writing and and. Uh -huh like thoughtful, like fun stories or travel features and all that. But kind of going back again to the business side, like mm -hmm. I could spend, and it's the same with videos, right? Which you've probably even encountered with your, your video making is like, you could put all this time and passion and create this amazing story written or video mm -hmm. that is something you're excited about. Right. And it could just flop. Whereas yeah. you could you could do like this dumb thing that says like Maxis Minion review and it just takes off, right? Because everybody right. wants to see a Maxis Minion review. So it's hard because yeah. again, I need to get the web the, the website traffic. So sometimes those stories get put on a back burner, even though I've got these awesome ideas of of talking about helmet safety ratings, right? And right. And these conversations that I've had behind closed doors with with helmet engineers at press camps. Yeah, and talking about helmet safety standards and how outdated and and that, that people have told me flat out. Yeah, we can make them. I can make you a safer helmet that will better protect your head, but it won't pass the safety standard tests that are happening right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with the guys over at Cali and Brad, the the owner over there. He's <laughs> he's definitely um, 
fallen into that category, I would say. I mean, I know That's even like their invader, yeah, they can't get a DH rating on it because the holes are too big. Right. Some rock might come through it, but it's like the chin bar passes a motorcycle pass test. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Speaking yeah. of helmets, uh, I th this was my karma for messing up, not showing up for the last two meetings we've tried to. <laughs> Oh yeah, you got. I can't like your your uh, your picture is kind of grainy, so it's kind of hard to make out. You got a little little zinger on the cheek there, dude. I friggin' smacked a rock face first this morning when we went out to go shoot some photos for a test bike. Oh, that sucks. I've been yep. trying to get myself to wear that Invader more often. Um, I don't know how old you are. I'm I'm like I think I'm turning forty four this year. So I'm in that age that, you know, when we started riding bikes, nobody wore a freaking helmet unless it was a, had a motor on it. Right. Yeah. You know, and then um, then somewhere along the line, we were like still young enough that we, we were like bought into wearing helmets on our bikes. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea of wearing a full face, unless you're like doing something that's totally crazy, it just sounds like. It just you're like, whatever, man, I've been riding bikes for 25 years on your stupid full face helmet, but I definitely have noticed that 25 years ago, the trails that I was riding and the speed that I was riding at is way different than what I'm doing now. And Oh yeah. I, I definitely, I'm like, man, it. I'm getting to the point where like that helmet, for example, that I was just talking about that invader, it's so light. It's so breathable. Like when I am wearing it, I don't really feel like I'm wearing a full face. So <clears throat> why am I not wearing it more often? You know? Yeah. I, um, I, especially now that we're riding e-bikes so much more, um, right. the, the climbing speeds are faster and the right. setting speeds are, are as pretty much the same, but I've, I've pretty much transitioned to almost exclusively wearing, uh, like a, like a pedal friendly full face, you know, uh -huh. and except, today, for today. I mean, except for today, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were literally just going out. Uh, there's a new bike that's coming out tomorrow. Um, which is uh freaking awesome. It is not an e-bike. And um, so we went out to go get some photos up for it last minute. Um, and I was like, oh, we're just going to get a couple action shots for this story on this bike launch. And I, like, I almost didn't even put knee pads on and I'm so uh -huh. glad I did. And sure uh -huh. enough, like go figure, you know, freaking. Uh, is a it a new brand or a new, uh, just a new model? New it's, well, it's a, uh, it is not a new brand. They okay. are from Northern California and they're uh, pretty awesome. They've got a right. lot of, they got a lot of fans. I almost feel like maybe you ride one. I can't remember what kind of bike. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm, I'm almost guessing what we're talking about right now. So, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. there is a famous actor back in the day with the same last name. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> now you make me want to talk about it. Cause I've heard some rumors and I want to know. So I it's, guess tomorrow's the day, huh? Oh yeah, dude. And it's freaking badass. God, I need to sell my bike. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming, man. I really did. And I bought that thing last year thinking, I know the new one's right around the corner. Cause as soon as they change the nomad, you know, it's trickling down. So <laughs> it's yeah. freaking sick, dude. I yeah. like, I am, I'm looking at it right here and just, it is, oh, it is beautiful. And it is so much fun. It bit me today though. Right on. That's good to hear. You know, that's really good to hear. There is another brand that's coming out 
that is a new brand. Have you heard about the, um, oh God, I'm going to forget the name of them right now. Out of Georgetown? Um, I'll have to, I'll have to follow back up with you when I, whenever I can, in case you haven't got the word yet. So I'm sure you have. Yeah. No, Cause you, you know, Richard from sticker. We were, I think we were talking about yes. this together. Yes. Yeah. 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 Why I, was, I, I, I just remember hearing about this and it was, just, yeah. yeah. Anyways, but uh, I saw that thing in person and I was really impressed with it to tell you the truth. I'm yeah. Not, There's I, a lot of new stuff that's coming out in the next couple months. That's for, very, very freaking cool. Yeah, it all comes out on paper though, right? Because everybody's trying to buy something, can't get it till next year. Dude, it's what's not the really- what's the inside pulse that you're getting from everybody? I mean, what? How are? Because uh, I mean, the, way the bike shops are basically handling it. They're like, dude, we don't know until something shows up on our porch, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that that question has actually been a, a like. I've been getting asked for so long to start a podcast and do a podcast. Right. And like, I just, Oh my gosh, dude, like I, it's just so hard to find the time. Right. And as you know, and then to create mm-hmm. something else, but one of the big things that people are like, you've got an access to so many people and so many brands like that in itself would be a cool podcast. And, um, talking this to some close friends that work at Schwalbe, mm-hmm. um, I was like, this would be a great episode because you really do learn a lot about stuff that I'm putting myself as a, in a, as a consumer here. Right. Um, there's so much stuff that you don't think about that really does have an effect on, on pricing, um, mm-hmm. availability, timelines, all this stuff that you just, you don't even think about. And you just, you know, it's so easy. And even we complain a lot in our reviews about like, I love it, but it's too expensive, you know, because right. like as a consumer, right. It'd be hard for me to justify spending X amount of dollars at this new bike that I'm looking at. And I love right. it, but I don't think I could spend 10 grand on something like that. It's crazy. Right. right. But, I mean, uh, especially I would, if you're somebody that's new in the sport, you know, yeah, absolutely, man. But, uh, I would say if you, if you have a product that you really like specifically tires, if you can find them, get a couple sets because yeah. that there's going to be some tire issues for a while. And yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm ambassador for Maxis. And I mean, even on the, the like ambassador website, which you would think would get some kind of, some kind of product. It's like empty. It's like freaking you're better off just, I mean, you're buying retail. It doesn't even matter. Well, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I, dude, I have, um, I've got friends that work at shops here. Um, other like industry friends. Yeah. Uh, a lot of companies aren't even offering industry pricing. Discounts. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the guy yeah. at the local shop here, uh, they're, they're one of the biggest pivot dealers in the country. <clears throat> and he's like, dude, I had to buy this frame at retail or like yeah. you know, retail price. Cause they're so short. They're like, we can't afford to sell these at discount to people. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, and even from like a business standpoint, it's like, yeah, like, why do you like the, 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 and, and just so people know, like the acronym EP is employee pricing, which is usually just like, that's like code for like bro pricing and they all fall into the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the deal with the bike companies, or at least the way, you know, I kind of see it too, is marketing wise is usually why you're given EP, right? 
other than you're like hooking up your your friends or whatever right it, it's like realistically it or your employees right it's realistically a marketing situation where like you're ambassador you're giving them this bike at this deal that way they ride that bike or you're giving them these tires so that they are posting about it etc 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 if you're already sold out completely like yeah how much motivation do you have to give something away at a discount you know right right yeah so, or or if you just don't have the numbers you know what i mean right. like if you were counting on selling a thousand at full price but you only got 700 you're like right. well shoot like I'm not going to sell 200 of them to friggin' bros. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so it makes sense. Um, I mean, obviously they still need to do something to keep their brand, you know, yeah. to stand out. So of course they're going to make things happen for the, the Aaron Gwens and the, you know what I mean? Like, like the, the top names or whatever, but uh, somebody like me friggin' catch a rabbit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So. Dude, I, yeah. It was, uh, I was on a, like a zoom meeting with, with a guy from a brand that we're supposed to be doing a video on, on some product for, um, just kind of highlighting tech and features, mm -hmm. how to stuff. And we were supposed to have that stuff to like start shooting this video. And he goes, dude, to be totally honest with you, he's like, you know, this was now a couple weeks ago. He's like the first world cup is this weekend and my athletes don't even have product on their bike. Like they're calling right. me every day. He's like, he's like, we've got two containers on that ever given ship that yeah. was, you know, held up or whatever got stuck. Yeah. And, and so he's like, I got world cup athletes that don't have shit. So he's like, yeah. you, you know, you're right yeah. behind them in terms of importance, but <laughs> yeah. Right. How did you, um, do, do you think, I mean, was it just your connections from being in that industry for so long that you were able to like, roll right into it? Or do you feel like you still had to ramp up quite a bit whenever you got started? Um, yeah, I, I would say that uh, the the connections that I had made from those years at Decline, and I guess the, uh, I don't want to say re reputation, but uh, I mean, I, I guess the fact that I was like a, a reliable, you know, trustworthy sure. person and, yeah, yeah. you know, like the, the, the relationships that I had made, um, because, you know, the, part of our job as media guys is, you know, we travel to a lot of events, whether they're mm -hmm. pro athlete, like, you know, competitions yeah. or to, to press events or media events where companies will host, uh, you know, five or six media outlets to show up a new product. So in many ways, um, you know, you kind of become friends or buddies or, you know, industry yeah. you know, cohorts, I guess in, in, um, over six years of doing that every year you're going to out with these same people and you're riding in these beautiful places and spending right. a week together. So you, you end up developing really nice relationships with folks. And I think that was obviously a, a huge part of why we were able to, to, to get Lone Wolf to take off and ramp up. Obviously if, if like we totally sucked and we're wrong, it probably would, it wouldn't have happened. So, right. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean, I, I guess, that other people can't do it without those connections, right? Because there's mm -hmm. a million, well, I don't know, a million, but there are dozens of other guys that literally just started a YouTube channel or a website right. at some point, and they right. now have stuff. And, th and that's something that I get asked quite a bit is, you know, people ask, like, well, I want to start a YouTube channel or I want to review stuff. And, and um, you know, I, I 
try to take as much time as I can and help give people pointers and, and offer advice on, on what I think are really good ways to do it. And, and it's, it's paid out and, and done well for a few people. Yeah. 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 I, I always just tell people start because a lot of people um, will really spend too much time thinking about getting it perfect rather than yeah. starting, especially with YouTube. Like, Everybody's YouTube videos aren't freaking great when they start. No, nope. you know, like even even guys that have been in the industry for a long time. I remember talking to Jeff Lenowski whenever he first started, mm -hmm. and he was like, "Dude, I thought I was gonna like make a channel and like tomorrow I'd have like fifty thousand subscribers because like man, I've been in the industry for how long? Everybody knows who I am, right?" And then then he was like, "And holy crap, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know, like." Dude. It's hard, man. It is yeah. hard work. Like, yeah, yeah. man, I like we're we're at forty two thousand, and like, uh -huh. and I, I don't like not making my goals. Like, that's a that's yeah. a thing, dude. Like, yeah, I don't like it. And I had a goal to hit fifty thousand YouTube subscribers by July. Uh -huh. I don't think we're gonna do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and we're close, but it's like, right. man. It, I just freaking hate it, you know? You never know with that platform, though. I mean, you could make one video and all of a sudden you get 30,000 subscribers from it. Yeah, that hasn't you know? happened yet. But <laughs> no, it hasn't happened to me either. I mean, I mean, I've been at it for a long time. and and yeah. uh, But I've seen it happen with other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, we, and we did make a video and we got 10,000 subscribers. So I was stoked yeah. on that. So Yeah. So you never know. I mean, you really don't. And it, that's the thing. It's like, like you were saying earlier, I mean, you could write some story or do some video that you're like crazy passionate about and you think is just gonna sweep it and my one of my favorite videos that i made is like that like nobody watches it i think it's freaking awesome you know, know. But, but it was just me i guess you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but sometimes you got to do that stuff you know and and uh, yeah. even if it's a just like an artistic process and and therapeutic it's it's important to do those things yeah yeah what um what what do you like like doing the most on uh, like the reviews or like a certain kind of merchandise? Is it you know the press events? Um, well, gosh, what a, that's a tough one, man. Um, I the the media camps and like the press the the press events are definitely awesome. Unfortunately, with COVID stuff, a lot of that kind of got put on hold. Um, yeah. I absolutely love doing our bike park review tour. Um, mm -hmm. We were lucky enough to do that for the last, uh, God, we did that the last two years in a row. And we did the first year we did 12 bike parks. Last year we did seven or six or seven. Um, mm -hmm. We postponed it this year just because um, my wife and I just had a baby uh, yeah. and nobody's got bikes. So I was right. like, with those two things and, and then COVID obviously still being right. kind of a thing. I was like, kind of yeah, I was like, I'm going to just spend this year focusing on YouTube, um, being home and, and doing that. But, uh, yeah, the bike park review tour was definitely a highlight. I, I would like to get back to doing it again because, uh, downhill biking is my passion. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I grew up racing. That's what I grew up riding. Like that was what, I mean, I just absolutely love downhill bikes. <laughs> so, uh -huh you know, being able to kind of make like 
a travel channel meets food channel sort of right, vibe right 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 and, and just go places and and kind of help people uh, you know i that's something i guess i just enjoy is just helping people whether it's giving them information or showing them yeah. cool places to camp or cliff jump or swimming holes the trails to ride um so yeah that that bike park tour is definitely a highlight for me what's the uh, creative process like whenever you're writing like because to me i I, I would look at those trips from a video standpoint and like, I'm thinking of like how I'm going to get B roll, how I'm going to get the drone shots that I want, how I'm going to get, you know, the interview that I want, how am I going to get the interview that I want, but actually recorded where it looks natural in the conversation and, and things of that nature, you know? And yeah, I mean, obviously like you can walk away from, from an experience with your memory and just, and write about it. Or, I mean, I would imagine there's, I'll let you talk. Otherwise I'm just going to sit here and like come up with ideas of how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I would say I kind of do just like what you said. I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I was like, never really like a great student in school. I never wanted to be a writer. Like my goal, like when I was young was always like, I want to be like the badass old dude who just has like awesome stories to tell. So like, Right. Because of that, right? I I always said yes to everything. Like I was just like, bad idea, great, even better story, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess somehow along the way, dude, and I'm telling you, like I haven't, I could probably count on one hand the number of books I've read cover to cover, right? Like right. somehow I figured out a way to write halfway decently, or at least a way that some people have a lot of people have said it is entertaining or they can right. vibe with and maybe it's because it's more conversational because i haven't uh -huh. you know read all that many books but yeah. um yeah dude i i always go to whether it's a media camp or a, an event or a bike park tour thing and i sort of just like go there with the I don't know, dude, Hunter S. Thompson vibe of just like the story will. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking out. whenever you started telling the story. I was like, I was just thinking about him running around with a microphone taped to his face. Yeah, or something. <laughs> I, I kind of am like, you know what, dude, like I don't want to close myself off to an experience because I might be so focused on like this is the steps of my story that I need to focus on that. Like I might not say yes to this dude who's like, yeah. Hey, you want to go out after the ride today and like do some weird sightseeing thing? And that might like just totally spin off into like right. that's my story and somehow right. i'll just talk about the bike in that and that's right that's kind of been my jam is to just always say yes to as much as i can and just tell the story after i'm home or on the plane back <laughs> yeah 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 so like do you keep a lot of notes or do you just kind of come home and reflect or um yeah dude i come home and reflect yeah yeah just kind of use the memory and, and go from there yep do you have like any like particular thing that you like to do like you like to write it out with paper or like a type certain typewriter or like i like to sit on my couch and drink a bunch of jack daniels and write this shit up you know like <laughs> um no dude i like i'd say i probably just put on some music and um like i'll try to just kind of like i don't know get into uh, sort of a distraction free mindset you know like mm -hmm. i i definitely am that adhd you know, yeah, yeah. die. Yeah, I can so, relate. <laughs> so I definitely it the heart the longest part of the story for me is starting it. Yeah. Once once I start the story, it sort of just spews out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's so that's how my edits go. 
Yeah. I um definitely like the ADHD personality set as well. And um along with that comes procrastination. And mm. I'm like really freaking good at that. And uh I will just procrastinate and procrastinate and I'm I'm like building anxiety because I'm procrastinating. But once I start, then it's like you can't stop. Like it's like Hey, yeah. you need to eat. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't need to do that. You know, like, but, uh, I, I can definitely relate. And I think everybody has their different ways of going about things, but that's definitely, um, yeah, that's the way it goes for me. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, I would, I guess I would say like normally what I do and I don't know, maybe it's why I like my stories are so long is like, um, I, I just go, it's almost like I time travel back mm -hmm. and, and like, I just relive that experience. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like yeah, I, totally really, sense. I go back to it and I just freaking tell the story, dude, like as if I'm just walking right back through the whole thing. Yeah. And then yeah. that's my, and that's my story. Like, that's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I've written, I wouldn't go back and edit it the way that I do a video though. Like, like something that I've written, it seems like, other than like grammatically going back and checking things, right. I wouldn't go back and be like, Oh, this reads kind of boring. Like I, I, do you do something like that whenever you're, you're writing, like go back and be like, Oh, I went on this tangent. I didn't need to talk about that or. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will try to. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely will go back over stuff and I'll do that sometimes a day or two later. And if it's even yeah. something really big, like a big piece, I'll send it to a friend or, or like, you know, yeah. another one of our editors and be like, let me know what you think of this. Did I go freaking way out into left field here? Yeah. Uh, is it boring? And I'll try to, I'll try to rain, bring, you know, rain it in if I have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about that process, even though it's, it's very different. It, it is very the same, you know, at the same time. So I, I haven't really sat down and thought about that before we're sitting here talking about, you know, like it's really close, you know, to the same thing. So. Yeah. Um, just minor differences. What, um, what kind of, what kind of, uh, tech are you into right now? What, what's got your, like, what are you interested in? Uh, technology stuff. Yeah. As far as like, what do you see in the pipeline with the bike industry? Like, like to me, I have this like inside feeling of waiting for the derailers to go away. You know, it like doesn't make any sense to me. Like, <laughs> One of those like, guys. Why? And I don't even care if it's like, a, a, I don't care if it's a gearbox. I don't care if it's a hub. I don't care if it's like friggin' Tesla invents something new. Like, I just don't understand why I'm like smashing my way through rocks with this little dingling hanging off the back end of my bike, you know? Yeah. No, an expensive dingling at that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And they just keep making it more and more and more expensive. I'm like, Oh yeah. 600 bucks for a driller. I'll do that. Yeah. You know? um, it's wireless now, man. Of course I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, I gotta say, I do really like that AXS stuff. Um, and, and that new, the GX AXS, which is like yeah. the, you know, the affordable one. Yeah. Um, that, that shit's pretty cool. Uh, is there a way to do individual gears? I'm hearing like, the, like different things from like when I had the, the archer, that's the thing I loved about it the most was I could individ easily individually adjust every gear. So if I was on the trail and my third cog up was like acting stupid cause I dinged it off of something like 
I could change it on the fly. And I have the GX and I don't see it in the software, but then somebody the other day, I was watching some video and they were saying that you can. So I thought that the, the adjustments on the GX are just like a barrel adjuster. When you're adjusting it, you're adjusting the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, like, so you're just saying like one shift, one gear kind of a thing? Yeah, I wanna take this one gear that's not right and move the derailleur a millimeter this way or a millimeter that way. Yeah. And affect, the, affect the other ones. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, like there's like, uh, see like with the Shimano's, I know they have on like their DI2, they have like an auto trim, I think they call it. Uh -huh. Um, And it's like a self calibrating, like you can press a button and like put it into, you know, one gear, another gear, and then like uh -huh. hold it, hold it, and then it'll like reset. Um, uh, okay. And to be totally honest, I haven't had a problem yet with any AXS stuff. So yeah. I haven't, I haven't really looked into that, but uh, yeah, I need to mess around with mine. I banged it off of something the other day, and ever since then, it's been acting stupid. And I took my derailleur hanger off and put a new one on, and uh, they both looked flat to me whenever I set them on the table. So I don't know. I, I'm Maybe, like, yeah, your derailleur might be just slightly twisted. Is it doing it through the whole cassette or just one gear? Nah, it's just a couple of gears. So it, yeah, I don't know what I did. That thing could we'll just be like the slightest bit twisted, but I yeah, don't know. I'm not a good mechanic when it comes to derailers. So mm -hmm. that that was one of the things though about that archer that I loved was that yeah, I mean it's real simple, like on the app, like they yeah. highlight the cog that you're on and it's like move it up, move it down. Okay, that's yeah. good. Go to the next one, you know. And it's super um, cool. Yeah, if they could only get their package smaller and their battery life a little different than it would be dialed, but yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. But so anyways, I guess to answer your question, um, the tech that I'm excited about would be, um, God, dude, honestly, I e-bike tech is, is really exciting to me right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really see derailers going away. Um, yeah just from a weight perspective, I think as much as people say that they don't like them, I think people don't like the other options more or more people right. aren't as excited about the other options out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that happening or changing anytime soon, but with e-bikes that could be the case, right? Because they could build those gears inside the motor. Right. Yeah. Totally. So you could theoretically, I think, see an e-bike maybe that has internal gears and ditches a derailleur before an analog acoustic. Yeah, I feel like if that happens, oh my God, the internet will lose their fucking mind because it'll be like, it's a motorcycle. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, 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 no, it's not. But they would, I like, oh man, I just. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying it won't happen. I, I agree with you. I think that's the obvious place for it to happen right now. I mean, you could you could easily um, add some weight that people wouldn't care about because they're getting the pedal assist, you know, right. if you needed to. Yeah. The thing that, and I don't know if you follow road bikes much, but, uh, and I don't either, but I have a friend that was telling me that some of the brands are having like their e-bike model where the motor and the battery is all one piece or something to that effect. And you can remove that from the bike and then put a blank in and you have an analog bike. And then if you want it to be an e-bike, then you pop the other the, the piece back in and, right. and now you got an e-bike. And that, that to me sounded really like 
sounded pretty badass because that that's pretty cool yeah because to me like um a friend of mine got an e-bike and i asked him hey dude does this make you want to get rid of your analog bike and he was like no man it, it's it's so different that i love this but it doesn't make me want to get rid of the other one and whenever i finally rode an e-bike i totally agreed with him like yeah yeah it, it's it's really fun but it, it's it's really different too and it's not mm -hmm. like so if you could get a bike that That's as funny. like a person getting into the sport that kind of like gets you to be able to meet both of those man that would be rad you know that, that would be really cool I, a lot I, of people I don't, don't... trek trek kind of has that that xc bike i don't know i can't remember if it's called like the x caliber super caliber what the heck is that thing called uh -huh. um Superfly, I don't know. But anyways, I think Trek has like a lightweight pinner XC e-bike. Mm -hmm. um, and it is one that I think when you disable it, like it has supposedly zero drag. I, I, I think I'm going to try to get one just because I am curious. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that's probably a good place for things to go um, and would be definitely interesting because um, I think – you know, with brands like Orbea and Specialized coming out with their SL or, you know, lightweight e-bikes, right. you know, a little less weight, a little less power, it, it'll, they look a little slimmer. I think it's going to, you know, maybe get a couple people that were on that edge of like, I'm not riding yeah. an e-bike to like, okay, I, I can ride that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think if then you took it a step further and you're like, cool, if you, you know, if you're coming to Bend where they're super anti-e-bike, just pop it out and, yeah. then, and then you can go rip around on the, the regular mountain bike trails. Yeah, definitely. I, it's yeah. I think I feel like then that, you know, will probably open up a bunch of other trail advocacy kind of issues, you know, once, and cause ultimately I, I'm pretty sure that e-bikes are going to end up looking just like the regular bikes, right? The battery tech's going to change. You're not going to be able to tell other than when you pick it up, right? It's going to be heavier. Yeah. But it, the frame wise is going to look the same. And when that happens, man, how do you know if somebody's riding the e bike or not? You know? Yeah. Other than them just dusting you on the climb and like hitting yeah. some rock that, that's a booter, you're like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. The only way you'll be able to tell is by how much your feelings get hurt on the uphill. Right. Exactly. You know? Because I already see it even now. Like people are already like, I, I was reading something on Facebook today. It was somebody was like complaining about all oh, these guys on e-bikes. Look at these Strava times. And it was like, I'm looking at the Strava times going, nah, dude, you're just not that fast, man. Like, I know that guy that's up on the top. He's yeah. quick. Yeah. Like it, it seems ridiculous and ludicrous to you that he's going that fast on that trail that you think you're pinning, but you're not pinning it, dude. He is, yeah. you know, like, yeah. So. But like whenever it would get to the point where you can't tell the difference on the bike, oh, I could just hear everybody, man, just losing their shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 coming for sure, man. Like that Kinevo, we have the new Kinevo SL, uh -huh. and dude, you can you get you really got to look to tell if that's an e bike. Yeah, some of the new frame designs too, even on the 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 analog bikes, like like even even the Bronson, like the the Santa Cruz bikes. Like the, the way that they redesigned the the linkage on the bottom, yeah. the bottom of that bike is really like boxy and big. Like if you're not a person that knows that bike, you just see it like roll by. I think there's a Trek too that's similar to that. And it's like, 
was that an e-bike? And then, oh no, it wasn't. Okay. You know what I mean? But yeah, on a quick glance, it's, it's getting harder. Yep. Yep. What um what got you what what got you from being anti e bike to to like wanting to pull your website into it? Um, one they got way better. Uh, two, um, I wanted my business to <laughs> to succeed and take off. Uh -huh. And um, you one of my market. yeah, I did one of my one of my childhood best friends and someone I grew up with and riding mountain bikes with, uh, he's really successful, uh, businessman right now. And he, you know, he, he kind of asked me like two and a half, three years in when I was kind of like pounding my head against the wall, like, does anyone care what I'm doing? Am I wasting my time? Do people mm -hmm. notice this website? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, uh, like, should I just go get a job? And yeah. he was like, you know, just genuinely asking me cause he's my bro. Like, how are things going? Where, where are you at? What's going on? And, and so he dug in and did a lot of research into the financials, uh, quarterly reports in the bike industry. And, and he, you know, brought that, that business element side of it to the, like, if I build yeah. it, they will come mentality. Right. Um, and he was like, look, dude, <clears throat> every company Shimano, you know, like you name it, right. Every big yeah. company is reporting, you know, eight to 12 plus percent growth. And every one of them in their, you know, summaries is attributing this growth to the sport E sector. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I will come on board and help you and give you advice and, and focus you and, and help with SEO. We'll, you know, we'll do all this stuff. He goes, but if you really want to take off, he goes, no one in North America is doing e content and every brand is having growth because of e-bike sales. Right. And, and so I was like, all right, I will give these things another try. Mm -hmm. And so I got a couple of e-bikes from a couple of brands and was like, man, you know what? Since the last time I rode one of these three years ago, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, and so that those two things were kind of like what had me flip the switch, so to speak, and be like, okay, like uh, we'll start testing these as mountain bikers first, mm -hmm. right? Like uh, as aggressive core mountain bike guys who are going to ride these as mountain bikes, not, right. not the older folks, not techie guys, not people right. who are getting into this because it's cheating and they can get up the mountain easier. Right. Right. You like know? real mountain so, bikers. I got you. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of the, the, the turning point, I guess, in that. Right on, man. What, um, oh man, I had a really good question. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Shouldn't have smoked all that pot in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So like with, with the e-bike sector growing, how do you think that that's going to change the sport? Um, in a dream world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what it means is that a lot more people start riding, which mm -hmm. means our sport <clears throat> grows in popularity, <clears throat> meaning outside funding, sponsorship, and trail building, community trail centers, <clears throat> forest service attention, BLM attention, 
uh, city development attention all grows. Yeah. Um, with that, the bike industry grows, right? Helmet mm -hmm. sales, tire sales, bike companies, everybody grows. Um, then you get awesome companies like Trek who donates, I think it's five or 10 bucks from every dual suspension bike they sell, they donate to building, um, you know, more trails. Santa Cruz does really awesome stuff. Yeah, they right? do a lot of stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> specialized does really great stuff. So it's, it's <clears throat> hopefully as these brands grow and as cities, you know, are seeing like, holy shit, man, like the two trailhead parking lots we have, there's, there's fights in the parking lot because no one can park and they're always packed with mountain bikers. Then all of a sudden it's like, cool, let's build another trail network. Right. And, uh -huh. and we get all of a sudden we get more places to ride bikes. So, uh, you know, in an optimistic world, that's what happens, I guess. Um, bikes continue to get better. Hopefully prices come down yeah. and, um, and yeah, the sport just gets bigger, better. It's on freaking TV. Like there's more industry dollars, you know, more, more money coming in from car deodorant drink sponsors, yeah. whatever it might be. Um, I don't know. Do you, think, do you think that we see like <clears throat> e-bikes kind of take over like you saw 26 go away or do you think it's kind of like the 27 five and 29 er situation where it's like, yeah, they're just, it's another flavor now. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens to be a lot of their profit because these things cost a lot more. Um, I, so I think it's going to be mixed. Uh, I think yeah. it's going to be region specific. Um, I would say that, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll ruffle feathers, I guess. Maybe you're not. But I think that elite areas, high fitness, uh, upper middle class, affluent areas like Crested Butte, Bend, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like th those types of areas, mm -hmm. e-bikes will not be as big because you've got this sort of elite, athletic, free time, um, lifelong devoted following of people that are like, no way I earned yeah. this. I've been doing yeah, this. Yeah. Long. But I think you're going to have areas like Los Angeles. You're going to have areas like Phoenix, Arizona, um, Seattle, Washington, mm -hmm. like Denver. Like you're going to have areas like that. You're going to go to the trailhead. In my opinion, 75% of bikes are going to be e-bikes in the next yeah. five years. That's my guess. I think um, you're probably onto something there because it's realistically a lot of people are riding for like a couple of reasons, right? It's like fitness and fun. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the two biggest ones, right? And there's mm -hmm. a lot of other reasons that we could sit here and like make a list of like 30 reasons or a hundred reasons, whatever it is. But right. I think overall, those are probably mm -hmm. the two biggest ones. So once people actually get on one of their friend's bikes and ride it or they go to some demo event and they find out that man i pedaled for an hour and i sweat my ass off the whole time i was doing it and um i feel like i got the fitness side of it then the other end of it is the fun side right and that i don't really even feel like we need to explain like it's like i mean i went to a, a local place the first time i rode an e-bike i went to a local place that i pretty much don't even care about, right? 
Like it, it's like, I never go, I never go there. The only time I go there is when I don't have time to go anywhere else. And that's like closest. Right. right. Or I'm like teaching somebody who doesn't know how to ride bikes because the trails are boring. <clears throat> and I went there on this, this e-bike and we rode everything in that place in like an hour, both directions. You know what I mean? It was like all this stuff that I never would have went up. We were just like, turn. I remember making the turn going, why the hell are we going up this? Oh shit. We just went up that. That was actually fun. You know, yeah. like, and uh, I think because of that, you know, like there, there you go, you have it. So what is the majority of the mountain bike, uh, mountain bikers out there aren't in that like extremely physically fit like zone. You know, like, yeah, myself for a long time. I mean, I've always been for years and years and years, been at least a weekend warrior, right? But yeah. the level I'm riding at right now, I'm riding like six days a week or five days a week. Right. You know, not everybody can do that. Totally, totally. So yeah. if if you only get one weekend and you can get this thing that just goes out there and, and like slams on some both, it's hard for it not to hit that 75% you said. So... So why do you only ride one weekend, right? Whenever I why, did? Yeah, like why don't why don't people ride after work? Uh, but usually it's light, it's kids, it's, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, they're lazy. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So so if you were to go out and do like a, an after work ride, how long right. is it, that ride take you on a pedal? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's say if you're doing an epic ride or a de like a really good ride, you're spending three hours. You yeah. can't do, you know, an after work ride in an hour that you're like super stoked about unless it's right. short. You're so, like, so at least my, where I live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so some of the things that, and I know I'm totally going to just come across like oh, the bike industry is paying me to sell bikes, but no, nah, go for it, man. It, it, I don't get paid one way or the other. If, you know what I mean? Like anything, right. but right. Um, I've got my, my buddy that I was telling you about, right. He's, he's like 230 pound dude, right? He right. works his ass off, crushes it in the business world. He's got two kids with baseball and karate and you name it. And he's, he told me for the longest time, dude, don't give me an e-bike. I'm fat. Look at me. He goes, I don't deserve an e-bike. I need, I need to fucking work out and I got to lose weight. Yeah. And I, and I told him straight up, I was like, Dave, if you, if you ride this e-bike, you're going to lose weight faster. And he's like, that makes no sense. And I was like, here, here's exactly why, right? First off, mountain biking is, a, and I'm not a fitness trainer, so I could be a little wrong, right. but you pretty much redline, you go anaerobic, right? Which yeah. is not, you're not in a fat burning state. You're just, you're, you're anaerobic. You climb yeah. and then you descend and then you climb and you descend. And that's why like a lot of people would say like road biking is actually a much better way to burn fat on a bicycle because your heart rate can stay at a much more static, like stable place yeah. in your prime yeah. fat burning zone. An yeah. e-bike, an e-bike gets you there if you want it to, if you, if you want to go anaerobic on an e-bike, you can. So yeah. first off, you're in a better fat burning zone. Second, you get home from work. You've got the best intentions. Hey, dude, today at lunchtime, you decide I'm going for a work after, uh, ride after work, blah, blah, blah. You get home, you're freaking pooped. You're like, yeah. tomorrow, right? It's it's happened to me. And yeah. I've been, and I've said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to hop on this thing and put it in turbo mode. And I'm just going to go do one little lap in turbo. And all of a sudden, I'm three laps in and I'm driving home with the biggest grin on my face, totally yeah. charged. And yeah. I'm like, 
if I didn't have an e-bike, I would have been too tired and said, I'm not riding today. Yeah. And now you're all of a sudden you're doing two rides after work during the week because you you just thought I'll just put it in turbo and not work that hard, but you still got a workout in because you yeah. went instead of just sitting at home. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I think the time one is a big one too, where it's like, let's just say i mean you're in an area kind of like i am where it's it's going to be a a pretty big climb and a and a good descent if if you're doing a, a short ride right mm -hmm. like if you're going to go down park at yellow gate and climb up to the top tiddly wings and come back down like you're, you're climbing for a bit and you're getting a big descent and that that's a, like a quick after work ride that you could that you could call you know you know what i'm saying yeah but like but it could be how much fun is that that's like realistically it's like 10 minutes of fun and like 50 minutes of like sucking right yeah <laughs> you know that's mountain biking right <laughs> right but like it's a lot easier to talk yourself into it if it turns into like in that hour you could do that that three times <clears throat> you know and, and then you're like oh well this is going to be really fun and it's only going to take me an hour instead of like yeah. a little bit of fun but most of the time i'm just going to be like sucking dust wondering why the hell i'm sitting on my bike right now you know yep so yep. yeah i think I, I i definitely agree with you and i think that the biggest thing is just going to be people trying it because a lot of people that i know you can say everything you want to say about it until you get on that that's usually one of the first questions i ask when somebody's like down in one like yeah. have you ridden one yeah i did one time in a parking lot no have you ridden one on a trail like you have to, you have to experience it there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it can't have been five years ago because yeah. they've gotten so much better. I mean, it's even that way with the regular bikes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that's the oh. way I can explain to them that, that as well. It's like, yeah. yeah. My first, like, man, I would say like five years ago, you could buy a bike that was five to 10 years old and, and it, there was dif there was differences, but they weren't like as dramatic as they are now. Like, if somebody's looking at a five year old bike, I'm, I I normally am telling them just pick a cheaper model of a newer bike. It's going <laughs> to be that much different, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, I don't know what happened like in the industry, like what what caused the the change, but however it happened, it did. And I mean, I was just telling one of my friends the other day. He's he's a shredder. And I was telling him, look, dude, your bike's only a couple years old, but if you bought a new bike, I guarantee you'd be faster. Yeah. Like guarantee you, you know, just for some reason they move some bolt a millimeter and <laughs> changes and the whole thing. Totally different. Like I wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that, you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty wild, man. Yeah. What should, uh, what do you think that people should be looking for when they're looking for an e-bike? Cause to me, I get confused. I'm like, Oh, everybody's talking about this battery or this motor and everybody's, it seems like religion. Like everybody's like, this is the best one. And this one's the best one. And it's like, what kind of things do you think people should, should pay attention to? Um, well, boy, I, I mean, motor is, is totally important, right? But mm -hmm. if you put a great motor in a shitty bike, it's only going to go great if you're pedaling up a hill right when once right. You, once you start going downhill it don't matter what motor you got in there if the bike sucks yeah yeah um so i would say 
uh, obviously figuring out your budget is going to be important. And then geometry um, and, and suspension design, right? Every, every suspension platform has its characteristics and it's, uh, it has its places that it'll excel and kind of have its drawbacks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think people, you know, based in, in certain areas of where you live, you know, a DW or a VPP bike could be great, but it also could not be as good as something else. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I would say, and likewise, you know, you got some brands like Norco who have a bike, like let's just do Norco and Fizari. Okay. Both mm -hmm. of their size, large bikes. I think those size, large reach on the Norco e-bike is, is like a 485 millimeters and uh -huh. on, and on the, yeah, which is like, or yeah, 490 maybe. And then the yeah, Fizari, like an extra large for many brands. That's a lot of brands. Large. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then the Fazari, like, I think it's reach in a size large is 465, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the maneuverability and the handling of those two bikes, which both have Shimano EP8 motors is going to be so different that you could have a great experience on one and be like, this thing sucks on the other, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would say the motor is less important of it to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, we review e-bikes as mountain bikers, not as tech right. guys. So the most important thing to us is how good does it ride like a mountain bike? And that means downhill jumping rocks, drops, corners. Um, cause any motor is going to be better than our legs <laughs> going up. Right. You know? Right. Right. Uh, that being said, I Shimano is really nice for offering a, a natural feel, um, like a little bit less artificial. The Bosch stuff is very boosty. I think it has a little bit more power and torque. Like if you want to just freaking scrap up like the gnarliest, steepest stuff, I think the Bosch is probably going to be a little bit more powerful. So is it being more powerful like that, then it's kind of a little, little like harder to control whenever you're trying to go through like slow tech? It it can be, but they all have different power modes, right? So you can go uh -huh. from eco to turbo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I think it, the Bosch in turbo is a little bit harder to manage than the Shimano in turbo in certain mm -hmm. situations. Obviously, you learn to ride them and you actually start using like what I call the brake clutch. So you kind of actually are hovering over that brake as you're pedaling through switchbacks or tight stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, and then the next thing I would say is, you know, all the motors we like, they all work well. Um, battery size is important. Uh, we're fans of bigger batteries, uh, because why not, you know, uh, unless you never ride far, right? If you want the lightest e-bike possible, then get a, you know, bike with a 500 watt hour battery and it'll, it'll save you a pound and a half, two pounds. But to me, I think 630, 700 is definitely the way to go battery size. I like the 700s. Um, yeah. you, just, you just get more laps, man. Um, I think for me, that, that's kind of the way that I would go is like, cause I was, I mean, obviously I'm a Santa Cruz fan and I, and I was, looking at the difference between the heckler and the and the um Bullet. the other one yeah and to me at the end of the day i was kind of like what would i be buying the e-bike for <clears throat> and to be honest i'm buying it to cut the truck out of the places that we would shuttle laps yeah and so it would make more sense to me to buy the biggest bike that they have with the biggest yeah. battery they have 
Cause realistically that's what I'm riding it on. Yep. Totally. You know, and it doesn't have to be super nimble because most of those trails that I'm like shuttle lapping on that I want to cut the truck out of. Yeah. It's like point and shoot riding. It's just, you know, like, yeah, you're not, you're not flicking it all over the place. Yeah. And it's not like those bikes are still like, I mean, even on the heavy side, they're still not like they're like, it's not like they're 80 pounds. Like the heaviest ones are like in the fifties. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could probably find some that break hit 60, but yeah. most e-bikes, yeah, are 52 to 50, 50 to 55 pounds. I mean, how long ago was was a downhill bike weighing that much? When I was a kid, man, I was probably 120 pounds, and I was pushing a 52-pound freaking steel right. downhill bike up some steep-ass cliffs in Southern California. I remember that. Right. So, like, that's exactly what I mean. So, it's not like you can't throw them around. No, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can do what you want. It's definitely different though. But, I noticed like when I was riding them that how I approached braking really needed to change big time. Yeah. Big time. What, what, what do you notice in that, in that, like how, how, how would you explain that to somebody? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't actually tried to walk someone through that. I would say, uh, so so obviously cornering takes a little bit more effort, mm -hmm. um, but your traction is way better. Um, and everybody I've talked to suspension engineers at, you know, Fox racers, guys from bike brands, er pretty much everyone agrees that suspension actually works better on e-bikes than on analog bikes. Hmm. Um, and, and I don't know if you've noticed that, but like I've yet to find, there's like a lot of bikes, that I don't love the suspension platforms on mm -hmm. and I will ride their e-bike counterpart. Same, same, you know, almost everything's identical. Yeah. Yeah. But I will love the e-bike. Uh, like huh. the suspension is supple. Every complaint I have about the suspension is gone. And, um, a lot of people just think that that extra mass and weight actually makes the suspension platforms work better that we, you know, if a bike's too light, right. It's not that unsprung. It's just the wheels not moving the way it needs to. So being a big ass dude, I don't ever have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you know what though? I, I, I totally think that is possible because I've ridden a bike before like the YT. Um, what is the short travel one? the YT Jeffsy? Uh -huh. I could not get along with that bike. I felt so like, I felt like I was going mock speed on this, like, rough chattery straightaway. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the fastest bike ever. And then I hopped on another test bike, rode the same bit of trail back to back. Uh -huh. And it felt totally calm, composed and everything. And I was, like, 1.5 miles an hour faster and, like, 13 seconds quicker on the bike that felt smooth than on right. the YT. I gave that YT to a guy that weighed 25, 35 pounds more than me. And he's like can I buy this thing? I love it. Right. And I think that there is a, a real thing in, in weight being able to work better with suspension platforms, which kind of brings me back to like buying the right bike for you and your application. Yeah. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it could be the the platform itself, you yeah. know, for how much you weigh or, or different things of that nature. Cause um, I mean, there's definitely things that guys that are bigger care about more than guys that are smaller, you know, like, I personally like I'm a big fan of the biggest rotor I can get and the best brakes that I can get. You know, it's like yeah. I'm running 203 front and back on every fucking bike I have. You know, like yeah. if it's a hardtail, it's 203. It's Saints. 
you know, and people are like, what's the point? And I'm like, dude, if you weigh as much as I do, you would understand because I didn't know what good breaks felt like until I rode breaks like this, you know? Yeah. That All right, and yeah. Like, let, let, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a tip here, dude. What's that? Get you some TRP breaks. Oh yeah. The DHR Evos. You'll freaking love them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to pick up a set. I have some TRPs on my ladies build, but I, I don't really ride that bike. So yeah, and they're the, definitely uh, not the model that you just said. So no, and the, that other model, they've made some improvements too. But the other model wasn't all that great. I think it was a slate or something. But the DHRs, um, dude, not so they they go up to a two thirty rotor first. Oh off. wow! And second, most rotors are I think one point seven or one point eight millimeters thick. They're thicker. The TRP brakes are two point three millimeters thick. So. Yeah. The, that right there yeah, you know, just, yeah, and, yeah and they're reliable they the lever feel is always in the same place you don't have to bleed them you got thicker brakes that won't warp they won't heat as much wow um, dude and the power is insane yeah i think you just talked me into it <laughs> <laughs> just on the size of the rotor alone like i know what that that's going to change oh yeah dude so, that, that rotor uh, thickness is real like i yeah i it's what i put on all my builds now yeah. Huh. That sucks. I just bought a set of saints for my new build. Well, That's hey, dude, the good news is that no one can find bike parts, so you can probably sell them for what you paid for. <laughs> right. Right. Dude, I barely got those saints as it is. Oh my God. I felt like I had to like, it was like another 10 minutes and I was going to be meeting some guy in a dark alley with a sh like a shank or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> so, um, I am not good at doing reviews. I'm very good at giving my opinion about things, but I'm not very good at doing reviews. And the reason that I say that is because I, um, I have a hard time paying attention to the really small details until I try something else. So like I would have to ride my bike with the saints on it and my bike with the XT four pistons on the same trail before I would be like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Um, how do you do that? Like, how do you get yourself in a mindset where you notice, hey, I'm riding this year's bike and they changed that bolt by a millimeter. Is it that I'm just in a better mood today? Or like, do you like, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I guess like with anything, right, that a person does enough, um, you just learn and, and you get more calibrated, right? I mean, you know, you you talk to anybody who's been doing something in their field, they can, they can look at the thread pitch of a bolt. They can look at the thickness of a piece of steel and, and you know what I mean? Like they can, mm -hmm. they can be very, very close to exact. And you're like, I don't know, dude, like half inch quarter inch. You tell me. Yeah, right? Right. Um, and so I think, uh, over the last, well, I guess I was six years at decline and we've been doing this for four years. So it's, I would say like all 10 years I've ridden probably no less than 40 bikes a year, um, yeah. 40, 40 different bikes a year. Right. So that's, that's a shitload of bikes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, and I've ridden them in a lot of different places and, um, and I, and I'm not saying that I'm the most amazing rider or anything yeah. like that. But um, I, I definitely have a very deep Rolodex of 
of bikes and, and things to compare them to. Um, yeah. and I think just, you know, the more you do something, the more you can be in tune with things and changes and, and like there have been, you know, media camps or, or like see like press events where like someone from Cane Creek, right. I remember they would come out and they didn't tell me anything. And they're just like, Hey, we're putting this new shock on the bike, <clears throat> go mm -hmm. ride it. Tell us what you experience. And mm -hmm. I'll come through this rock garden, right? Like I'll, I usually have go-to tracks and sections right. where I really pay attention to stuff. Yeah. And I'll come through that report back and he'll, he won't say anything. He like, he's like, all right, look away. He'll do some tuning. I'll come back through. He'll say, what'd you feel that time? And I'll right. say, I noticed this, this, and that. And he goes, okay, perfect. Cause based on what you told me the first time, I wanted to see what would happen if I did this. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what just changed. So then he would go back to another setting and then that's how you land in the middle zone. And um, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit, uh, I don't want to say enslaving, but like it, it sucks because I, I don't, I don't really ever go just on rides for fun anymore. Like yeah. if that makes sense. Like, even, yeah. Like even when I, like, even if I fly to a visit a friend and I don't take a bike with me, and he's like, oh, dude, I got a spare bike. Like, just come out for a ride and take my bike. We'll mm -hmm. go down the trail and I'll be thinking like, oh, his, I don't like the way he's got his rebound set up. Or I think his tire pressure might be a little too high or, yeah, well, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, dude, just shut up and go for a ride. You're not working right now. Yeah, but yeah. like, it's just every breaking bump I hit, every corner, every room. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I, I could, I guess, go into the weeds, I guess, because that's, Ultimately, that's my job, and that's what I do. But yeah, I think yeah, just all those bikes I've ridden. You just I think really that's the that's the the real thing. There is the experience because yeah. I will say, like, my understanding of bikes since I started the channel compared to when where I'm at now, I'm definitely way more like cognizant of those things than mm -hmm. I was initially. And I haven't definitely I've not ridden as many bikes as you by a long shot, you know, but. I do notice, you know, things better now, you know, like yeah, I can get on a, a demo bike and actually have not looked at it and be like, oh yeah, these aren't carbon wheels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like the yeah. way that it feels, you know, Absolutely. Like, or I like the first time that I, I rode, uh, oh God, who was it that did that? Is it Crank Brothers that had like a, uh, like they had some compliance put built into their, their carbon wheel. They were like one of the first ones to do it. So it had, it was like a little more flexy. Synthesis. Yeah. 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 They had and like, I, a um, they had a different front and rear wheel. Yeah. And I rode a bike that had that and I got off of it and I was like, oh, these are aluminum wheels. I felt the front flexing and they were like, no, it's supposed to do that. And I was like, huh? And I was surprised that I actually like got it first of all, but like then I was like surprised that they did that, but, um, <laughs> I, I like those wheels. Yeah. But what do you weigh? <laughs> well, dude, since the baby, I'm now 175. Yeah. See, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like losing 80 pounds to get to 220, you know? Nice. So, like, so, uh, I mean, I'm at like 240 right now and heck yeah, man. And, and uh, I think, you know, I, I just, because of my size, I just, I, things are different for me, you know? And absolutely. Like we were talking earlier, one of the other things that I, like, I love Kushkor. And I know that most of that has to do with how much I weigh. Oh, because yeah. Because 
the first time I rode Kushkor on a wheel, I was like, holy shit, this is what like people are talking about. <laughs> like that way, 175, like that was grip, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people would be like, yeah, I run my wheels at like 18 PSI. And be like, huh? You yeah. know, I would never have air in my tires if I was at 18 PSI, you know? Or, or round rims. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. But, but um, I think I got off topic there somehow, but... <laughs> <laughs> Either way, yeah, no, I think definitely the experience of riding all those bikes, it definitely um, is something to, to speak to. I mean, I, in the same light that you're riding down the trail and, and tearing apart your buddy's build, like, my lady gets the shits of me, we're watching a movie, and I'm like, dude, did you just see that transition? And, you know, like, I'm like, did you see how they shot that? And she's yeah. like, what are you talking about? You know, like I'm looking at how the camera's moving around the people that's talking and not yep. paying attention to the movie, you know? Yep. 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 Yeah. Same thing, so. man. Yeah, exactly. Like you could totally pick up on something like that where other people are like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it has to do with whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, like what your job Absolutely. is, right? Absolutely. I, I work like Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I was just saying, yeah, it's, I mean, it's exactly yeah. it. Like if you, if you do something, I think they say what, 10,000 hours, you become an, a, an expert in that right. subject matter. Right. And it's like, if you do something for 10,000 hours, you're going to yeah. be able to look, look at something at the surface and, and you're going to know what it is. Yeah. I think it's just like what you're familiar with too, you know, like, like, you'll never notice how many Ford F-150s are on the road until you buy one. You know what I mean? Like, like if you buy a Toyota Prius tomorrow, you'll be like, holy shit. I never, there's so many of these Priuses out here. You know, like the day before that, you could drive down the road, never see, but two of them, you know, yeah. the day after you own one, you're all of a sudden you see them all the time. Right. So it's yeah. just like what you're familiar with or something. Yeah. What, um, what do you think about, uh, the budget bikes nowadays? I mean, everybody that's doing reviews is mostly looking at the expensive stuff. Yeah. You know, um, that we were talking briefly earlier about that video that gained us 10,000 subscribers was our sub $2,000 budget bike video we did last year. I believe it because um, what, what's the like most common number you see when people are like, I'm going to get into mountain bikes. Usually most of them are like, they're thinking they're spending a lot of money out of grand. I know. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, we got, I can't believe we got so many comments that were like $2,000 is budget, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I get it. It's relative, but like, right. we're making a performance mountain bike video channel here, guys. Like, this isn't like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, and, and you just realize, like, I could have picked $500 and yeah. people would be like, $500 is budget? Are you kidding me? I don't make that in a year. And I'm like, okay, I get it. So we have to establish that there's parameters here, you know? Right, but, right. Um, but that being said, um, I think the, the budget bikes right now are better than they were a long time ago, right? Like for a long time, right. I always would be like, I remember when I worked at a bike shop and a Trek Fuel EX8 was like, I think it was like 1999, right? And now it's like yeah. that thing's like 37.99. Right. But um, you know, it's like all right, well, but now the the bike that's 19.99 rides twice as good as the bike that used to cost 19.99, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I used to I only like tell people that were getting into bike, like riding, like have a friend that's into bikes and go buy a used one. Like at that price range at a thousand, two thousand dollars, you're not going to get a good bike. You'd be better off buying a, an older bike that somebody else didn't really ride and, and yeah. get that money out of it. And I struggle with telling people that now. Like yeah. there was a lot of really good, really good builds that the bike companies have finally got to the point where they're they're making the cheap ones like with all the same standards. So when you do decide you have an extra 600 bucks and you find somebody selling the takeoff Fox 36, you right. know, online, like you can throw that on your bike and you, you don't have to like, you don't have to spend all that money out the door. Cause I mean, I know what it's like to not have money to throw around on a bike and they're expensive, but it, it is definitely easier if you can like nickel and dime your way there. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, I totally agree with you there, man. Like I think, um, if you can, if you can afford to spend two to 2,800 bucks, like you can get yourself a sweet bike these days, like yeah. and, and ride hard, you know, and then just start replacing stuff as needed. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, um, are, are you, what, what, which way do you fall on like the carbon versus aluminum frames? Um, you know, I can't. I, I guess I like aluminum a little bit, uh, but I wouldn't say that it would completely be a deal breaker either way for me. Um, mm -hmm. I, like, I think there can be an aluminum bike that rides better than carbon bike and I would rather have it. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I it, it wouldn't be a deal breaker if yeah, I was building yeah. a new bike, you know, like I'd maybe pick carbon, but it uh -huh. wouldn't stop me from buying a bike. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of guys get stuck on that. You know, yeah. I, I think there's two things with that. They get stuck on this like thought process that carbon bikes like shatter like glass on the trail, and then you know, and uh, I I don't know. I always tell people, dude, go online and just watch like bike frame fail videos, and there's just as many aluminum bikes like breaking as there are no. carbon bikes. So, I mean, like, if you're going to break a frame, dude, you're going to break a frame. Like, just, yeah. like, there, there's no, at least in my eyes, like, I don't really feel like there's a difference. I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to argue with me about that, but. If, um, if, in my opinion, if you're buying a bike from a reputable brand, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to, I would be just as fine riding one or the other. Yeah. And then, uh, as then the other end of it, what I was going to say is like, people get hung up on, you know, Oh, well, I should have the carbon. Cause that's the expensive one. That's going to make the, the ride so much better. And it's like, mm, especially if you're getting started, you're not even going to know the difference. Like, like it takes a long time to like recognize that. Like there may be some things that you could notice, but for the most part, if, if that your if your budget's in aluminum, don't like bend over backwards or like, yeah. beat yourself up that you didn't buy the carbon one because it's not like it's not like you're going to be like three minutes faster on your favorite <laughs> section of trail because you got the carbon bike you know no no mm -mm. and i mean dude a prime example is a uh, aluminum actually has some some superior ride qualities depending on you know what you're looking for and what you value i mean 
the big thing with carbon is it's lighter and it's stiffer, right? Yeah. And stiffness doesn't mean comfort. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And um, I mean, the new Trek Session downhill bike, uh, you know, we just made a video on that and tested it. And and in going to the meetings with Trek and, and you know, with their World Cup athletes that helped develop this bike, you know, Trek's goal was to make aluminum prototypes and then make them in carbon because that's what everybody wants. Right. Right. And then, and, and the racers said, do not make them in carbon for us. We want to ride the aluminum ones. And so Trek was like, really? Why? And they're like, they're more comfortable. They're more supple. They, you can spring like preload them into corners and you, they could feel it snap out of berms. Oh, um, the traction okay. was better because the bikes actually did have a little bit of flex. So they would stick and, and, and hold the ground instead of being so stiff. Like, you know, the old envies that would just freaking railroad you out the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotcha. And, uh, and so, I mean, there's like legitimately, like there are some advantages to aluminum frames. And again, that's why I don't really get, even with like the, the motor question, like I don't always get hung up on material, um, brands like to me i would i would rather have something that people would look down on but i know rides better and gives me <laughs> a better ride experience 35 millimeter handlebars are a prime example why the f that's going on i i mean i get it right they look mm -hmm. cool because forks are thicker and head tubes are thicker and it matches but dude they beat the shit out of your hands and yeah. It, you know, I mean, there weren't too many handlebars in 318 that I thought these are too flimsy. I can mm -hmm. flex these bars too much. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, I do ride a lot of 35 millimeter bars where I'm like, my knuckles are hurting at the end of a long day at the bike park, right? Like these are mm -hmm. too stiff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, it, yeah. So yeah, then, sometimes you get, then you get the companies like one up building these bars that are flexi carbon. Exactly. Right. <laughs> this is all, this is, we're, we're like, it's kind of like what geometry is going on or what handlebars like people like they get so extreme, they get so long, they get so slack, so stiff. And then yeah. you realize, oh, shit, this isn't actually all that good. Right. Like yeah. the 38 fork is an example of like they came out with this new thicker, stiffer fork. And then you got the EWS racers that go to Finale Ligura, Italy, which is like a pretty loose, marbly area where you're fighting for traction. Mm -hmm. And none of them are running the brand new 38 that just came out because they can't actually get traction because the fork's too stiff, you know? Yeah. Um, but someone like yourself might really benefit from a 38 because a 36 could be too flimsy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I feel like um, in terms of that, I feel like people are generally overbiked right now. So, and maybe that comes from um, growing up, you know, and riding mountain bikes since the 90s to now, you know, we didn't always have as much suspension or as good of a platform as we have now. But I really have a hard time understanding bikes like the Mega Tower, for example, or anybody else's brand that's along that, you know, this 29er long travel bike. I'm, I'm not a downhill guy. I've never ridden a downhill bike, you know, um, and maybe if I did, then maybe I would, I would understand, but I ride normal trails that like guys ride, you, you know what I mean? And, and um, yeah. I ride some pretty chunky ones and, and I'm not a little guy and, and I just don't see, 
I don't understand needing that much suspension. I just really don't. Yeah. Where, where do you fall? Because yeah. you're a downhill it's, guy. So, I mean, you could very well have a bit, very opposite opinion for me. Yeah. I, I think it depends on your riding style, what you want out of your ride, where you live. You know, uh -huh. I mean, if I, <clears throat> if you could have two bikes or just one bike, you know, like there, yeah. I think there's a lot of variables. And, yeah. and I do think there are a lot of people that, uh, probably think they're they're a little more extreme or gnarlier or faster than they are and there's probably some people that think that, that you know those bikes will give them extra confidence or safety you know or yeah. you know it's like, okay i'm not great but if i have this 160 mil 38 fork in front of me um you know it'll let me go over that two foot drop that's intimidating me you know um yeah, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, a good perspective. I don't really always think about things and everybody else. I'm like, just think about it the way that I think about it. And that makes sense. Totally. So. totally. But, you know, that boils back to me reviewing a million products. And I have to think about when I'm talking about a bike, who the ideal consumer may be or may not be. And uh, mm -hmm. all I can do is just try to put myself in as many different people's positions as possible. <clears throat> you know, I can report back on my findings for my riding style, my terrain and mm -hmm. where I think it may be great or may not be great. And and then people can make their decisions based on that, that input, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up riding a friggin' hardtail with like, you know, the RockShox Mag 21 <laughs> shitty, shitty hundred yeah. millimeter trap. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, you learn line selection, you learn to pay attention, you learn how to be smooth. But then yeah. again, now we got 12 year olds doing backflips because their first bike was a dual suspension freaking shredder. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, um, yeah, I think that I mean, and maybe it's just me. I've been doing a lot of less suspension, you know, over the last few years. I went out and bought a, a, a hardtail a couple of years ago, and um, it was just so much more fun, you know. and the, those yeah. bikes don't have they they don't belong in in the gnarly chunky stuff in tahoe i'm not saying you can't do it you know like yeah you can my chameleon with 140 mil fork on it like i could ride that pretty much anywhere um yeah is it as fun as like riding a bronson or something like that in the super chunky stuff probably not you know at least it doesn't feel that way at the end of the day like when your back is like hey dude you're 40 not 18. You know, right. but, um, but overall in, in getting like that hardtail, for example, and, and now I'm building a short travel 29er, like it, it really made me real recognize there, there's a lot of trails that I would be grabbing that hardtail for that normally I thought I needed my full suspension bike for. Yeah. You know, and really <laughs> made me recognize that. It, uh, it kind of reminds me of that old expression of, uh, it's better to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Definitely. Right? When you're, when you're just freaking rattling off the rev limiter, they're on like a 120 or a 140 bike where like, yeah. you know, on a 160, you might feel tame and muted, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, a little different, true. different experience. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, so you've been riding for a long time. You've been riding a lot of bikes. What do you do to keep making bikes like fun? Like keep riding fun. Oh man. Um, 
That you know, I I've had some I've had some moments in the last uh, <clears throat> three years that it just wasn't fun, um, and that was the yeah. first time that I'd ever experienced it since I was riding. I mean, like I literally, you couldn't peel me off a bike since I was, before I could walk, I was on like one of those little electric freaking things, you know, the little motorcycle guys. And I, I just fell in love, man, with bikes from a kid and I never, ever stopped. Like that was my, my love still is. But when it came time to like trying to pay a mortgage, trying to, you know, earn a living, trying to do this stuff and, and then riding, I hit some pretty, pretty low spots where I was just like, why am I even doing this dude? Like, I don't even want to go ride my bike, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, luckily, you know, I, I, I have dirt bike. Um, I've got a Harley and a triumph. Um, and I, I have a couple other hobbies that are, you know, escapes for me, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I sort of, I guess, kind of dove into those a little bit deeper in those moments. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of let me have a little bit of a reset. And and I feel like sometimes um, writing is definitely work for me now um, and has been, I guess. But, you know, in the last couple of years, it's definitely transitioned to like very few rides do I go on now that are purely for fun or passion. They're yeah. mostly just photo shoot, video shoot, testing, um, which is, is not ideal because I do love riding and I want to love the sport that I am, am pursuing to make a career out of. Um, so I don't know, man, I, I think I have, I have days or moments where I'll go out and I'll just rip a trail, whether it's a new one or like the conditions are just right. Um, or I'll be with a couple of buddies and, and like, I'll just link up like three or four sweet turns and uh-huh. it all, it all just evaporates. And, and like, yeah. it's just the most pure high right ever. And, and yeah. like when I, when everything comes back to that euphoric moment, um, then it, it kind of just erases all those months of, of doubt and like, yeah. why am I doing this and almost resentment. And then I just like, it gets me back to like, that's right. Like, this is why I'm doing this because this is the best thing I've ever felt in my life. Right. And yeah, yeah, totally. A lot, a I lot am, of that is from downhill bikes. <laughs> yeah. I want to say, I want to say that lately I've been having this thought go through my mind and like you, I, I mean, I've had my ups and downs with bikes. I mean, I think there's a point whenever I was being too, active with my channel that I was like turning bike riding into too much of a job than having fun, you know, and I have to like keep that in check. And, um, even though sometimes I would be like, no, it's no different with the camera on. Like, yeah, it is. It really is. And, but one of the things that I've noticed, especially in this last year, I've, I've like progressed a lot in my skill set. And something I've been saying lately is that fast isn't as fast as it used to be. And what I mean by that is the better that I've got the, like, I could go through a trail and I'm like standing up out of the saddle, just freaking hammering down this trail. And I feel like I'm not moving. 
and maybe I go and I look at my my Strava and I'm like two minutes faster on this segment than I was a year ago the last time I wrote it. And right. it just doesn't feel that way because now my like skill set, like it has to be like this whole other level for me to actually start feeling like, like it did before. And right. um, that kind of scares me. It, it kind of scares me because then it like, not that like for like getting hurt or whatever, it scares me because like that kind of fear that you, you play with while you're mountain biking is getting harder to obtain, you know, easily. Like I could go on my local trails, anything local before, and I could get that, you know, and now I have to be like mock Jesus before I start feeling like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. You notice what, what, have you noticed like what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, things, they almost seem, I don't want to say mundane, but like, yeah. yeah, things, it's almost like, I don't know, man. I, I think it's like anything, right? Whether you're an addict and you used to, yeah. you know, be able to shoot up once or twice, or if you go to a concert and you're, it yeah. used to be so loud, but by yeah. the end of the show, you're like, oh, it's not that loud anymore, you know? Right, right. So yeah. I feel like if, if you ride the same trail a hundred times, the first time you rode it, it was at an eight. And yeah. after that hundredth time, it probably feels like a five. And you're like, yeah, nothing yeah. changed. Yeah. Like so, Downeyville is that way for me. You know, like Downeyville used to be like, oh my God, I, I couldn't talk highly enough about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, we did a couple laps. You know, like, that's cool, I guess. Maybe I'll go yeah. back next year. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Well, I mean, but the, you know, I guess there's, depending on how you look at it, right? I get, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer, but like it, it either one drives you to go explore and ride in new places, yeah. which gives you, you know, those new experiences or two, you start look getting more creative, right? Which yeah. is also great. You start riding a little faster. Maybe you start finding an inside line. Maybe you start finding yeah. a gap over a rock. And then yeah. those little things where you're like, I rode by this thing 20 times and just was like, whatever. But then you're like, I think I could gap this. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that thing you never thought about becomes the next new challenge on that same trail you rode a million times. And then, you know, all of a sudden you got four new hits on your same old trail and you're like, yeah. okay, cool. It's a new experience again. I'm definitely noticing that, that that's definitely, definitely happening. I rode up in uh, South Lake a couple of weeks ago. South Lake Tahoe and I was on a trail I haven't been on for a while and I was like man there's so many jumps on this trail I didn't even see these before it's not like those freaking granite rocks just came out of nowhere you know yeah. <laughs> like like the yeah. snow didn't push them up over the winter like I was like holy right, god right. Like, your skill set definitely does open your eyes to things that you never even noticed before Absolutely. So. And, and riding with people above your skill set that push you like that, they, they'll open yeah. your eyes to shit that you just were like, I didn't think that was a line or possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wasn't fast enough to keep up with those bastards before. And now I can actually see where they're going. <laughs> there, there you go. What, um, so you're, you're up in Bend. What's your favorite stuff yes. to ride up there, man? Um, well, I had some stuff that was my favorite, but unfortunately the forest service closed it down on me. Oh um, man, that sucks. That's yeah. a bummer. Um, other than that, uh, I really enjoy actually, I really enjoy riding Klein Butte and Horse Ridge, uh -huh. um, which are primarily winter riding spots. Um, uh huh. Other than Why that, is it that, they're winter spots. 
because they're more their horse ridge is east of town it's out in the desert um uh -huh. and so it gets it just gets a little too sandy and soft in the summer oh okay um so that's a prime winter zone for us i love riding out there it's fast rocky desert it's steep um oh, a wow. lot of the stuff in, a lot of the stuff in bend is um to be honest is, is kind of flat and boring um <laughs> yeah once you get down closer to town i agree yeah so um you know mount bachelor is doing some good work they're improving stuff that new uh lone wolf jump trail is pretty rad oh, yeah. um, i Just like the name. yeah <laughs> no, no <laughs> relation um uh tyler's traverse is really cool for like a little bit longer of a trail-y ride with some fun downhill um but that i'd say like, like the, that's like the one with like a billion turns on it isn't it yeah it's definitely it's just like burn 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 for like ever it's yeah it's a long one but yeah um, yeah i, think, I, I wrote I that last year when i was up there tiddlywinks and funner are pretty high on my list as far as like bend trails i really like south fork a lot um and I like doing the North Fork to Farewell uh, loop. Yeah. Huh. I have to come back and listen to this in a couple of weeks when I'm heading up there. I, yeah, I've man. done this one that goes through like a moose mating ground or something like that. It's like only open a certain time of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh That's pretty God. fun over in that area. Flagline. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. We basically, go up there and just descend all the way down to town. So yeah yeah that's flag line and which loops into south fork uh, yeah south fork's the one where you would cross over the river and then you kind of get to that that like waterfall area i think i know what you're talking about and then like eventually you make your way over to get in like drop into like whoops tiddlywinks or whatever yeah 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 right on man that's good yeah, stuff man. up there dude definitely definitely uh it, bend is interesting like when i like what you said about a lot of it being flat i think if you're in the stuff that's pretty close to town, like it's, it's super XC, yes. you know, you definitely it's have to go, you definitely have to drive up the hill a bit to get the, like, in my opinion, the really fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's a frustrating uh, thing. Uh, I, I think there's a changing of the guard, or at least I hope there is um, with the local trail group. And I think a lot more younger guys and, and pro athletes that live here are going to start, trying to get you know before that just from my experience you know you would try to help and be like you know whether it's donating or partnerships or whatever and it's like can we do this but just maybe work on like some aggressive trail building for for the riders that are underserved in our community because yeah you know they always complain about like rogue trail building right and and i would always ask like are you getting many people building rogue cross country trails yeah, or, right. or rogue flat pedally trails. Yeah. And it's like, no, they're building downhill trails. And I'm like, well, that's because they are an underserved, you know, members yeah. of this community. And yeah, since they're not doing anything for them, they're taking it upon themselves. And they're like, well, they're not sustainable. I'm like, well, these, those trails have been there for years, just fine. They just don't want to invest money on trails that they can't ride. Right. To, they want to yeah. add more miles to stuff they can pedal around. And, yeah. and um, it's a bummer and it's frustrating and it's uh i'm hoping that things start changing with this like this lone wolf trail project was a big step um and i'm hoping we can start getting a little bit more gnarly stuff because we have terrain like i mean those spot where those other three trails that got shut down by forest service 
Yeah. They were, dude, they were proper, proper trails, dude. They were right. freaking blast. Um, yeah. You guys definitely have the train up there. I mean, there, I've been on some stuff and then maybe I've been on the stuff that you're talking about. I'm not exactly sure. I'm horrible with names, yeah. but I know I, I've, I've been on some stuff that's pretty freaking rowdy up there, yeah. you know, and, and then um, it's, and it's fun, but you guys also have the season kind of like where I'm at, where it's like powder, the really fun stuff's in the snow in the winter. And then, you know, you, you kind of make do over the summer and you just wait for the snow to melt and then you're at it again, right? Yep, yep, that's it. Right. So we're almost at two hours. I always like to ask people what they enjoy watching on YouTube other than like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mountain bike channel. Like okay. some guys are like, oh, watch this dude, Carton Arcs. He's like, tells people to put their carts back in the, the, the container at the Walmart and they always get pissed off and want to beat him up. That one was a pretty fun one. So like what, what, uh, what channels do you like to watch? Or are you not a YouTube guy other than creating the content? Um, no, I, I have transitioned to being a YouTube guy hard in the last year. Uh, a lot <laughs> of my time on YouTube is spent analyzing other videos whether, or channels, whether they're yeah. bike or other and, and yeah. trying to bring those ideas into yeah, yeah. my world. Um, so yeah, I do spend a lot of time looking at bike stuff. Uh, uh, grand thumb is one of my favorite channels. I really like watching. Um, what do they do? He does gun reviews. Uh -huh. uh, and, uh, I know I'm probably, I'm talking about sensitive topics here, but yeah, I, whatever uh, doesn't matter, man. <laughs> you know, I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I thoroughly enjoy long range precision, uh, rifle shooting. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and so he does a lot of really awesome gun reviews. Uh, and and like, he's he's funny. He's like an ex special yeah. forces guy, and he's got yeah, a great yeah. sense of humor. Um, so yeah, I watch Grand Thumb, and uh, <laughs> I check those out quite a bit. Other than that, man, um, I yeah, I just mostly do a lot of research and comparing of how whether it's like camera gear guys or you know gun gear guys, car truck stuff like. I'll watch their reviews, their shootouts, how they do stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'll sometimes be like, oh, I really like how they put together this, uh, you know, presentation of facts, or I really like how they did this comparative analysis. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm just like taking notes on like. Yeah. And stuff. it's easy to do because I mean, I think most people that are creating on YouTube are doing the same thing where you're, you're watching somebody else and you're like, Oh, that was yeah. really cool. I want to, I want to try that or put my spin to that. And um, yeah. I, that that's definitely a, a good way to learn, especially on this platform. Cause oh, yeah. you know, most of the people on this platform aren't um, like, did it go to like movie school or whatever, you know, like you just get on here and start trying to do whatever you think is going to work and watching other people and copying it. And that's yeah. Yeah. Some of that's us get lucky man. and some of us don't. <laughs> yeah. The algorithm is definitely, um, God only knows what the hell that thing's doing, right? That's a bitch. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate you coming on, making the time to chat with me. I know we had some some struggles making it happen, and the internet didn't agree with us yesterday. But, hey, we, we got here, and it's been super fun chatting. Um, definitely. Yeah, dude, yeah. I, I, I seriously, I felt so freaking bad, and I apologize. And thank you yeah. for bearing with me. And sorry <laughs> to everybody out there that... <laughs> was counting on it this was my karma right here for missing i don't know if that, was, if that was the second or third attempt at us trying to link up so oh, <laughs> don't worry about it it's all good 
all of you guys that, that have been listening, definitely um, hit the link to in show more. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go over and check out the lonewolf.com. It's spelled exactly how you would expect it. For those of you guys that are listening, it's the L-O-M-W-L-L-F.com. So it's not like some funky way of spelling loam or wolf or any of that. And uh, go check out his site and his YouTube channel and Instagram and all that other stuff. If you guys like the content, definitely give me a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button. Like I said at the beginning, it makes a difference to me. It definitely does. And seeing those numbers grow helps a lot. So it's pretty easy to hit a button. If you got some extra time and you listen to the podcast, write a review. Those are always fun to, to check out. And I'm assuming that like the uh, podcast algorithm likes reviews being written. And <laughs> at the very least, if it's a good review, then people are going to read it and want to want to check it out. So that helps me out. I really appreciate everybody out there. And I want you guys all to remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs>